You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 83 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I'm your host, Dan Healy. Before we come to today's episode, as always, please check out the YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. I am back from Miami now, half term done, kids back to school. I can now focus on getting content out as frequently as possible. So that means game day for the UK is going to be as close to every game day as we can do. Heating Up the UK podcasts with my elite group of stateside guests, we'll come back to every week as much as we can, that is. Um, and there's also loads of other stuff going on. I've got my first shot recreation of the week coming up. We've got your dollar, W dollar bets coming up. There's loads going on. So now things have settled down. I promise you, content will be thriving on there. So go and check out Miami Heat UK TV on YouTube. On to today's episode. And as I said, trying to get one of the stateside guests this this week was was hectic. It was trouble. It's a busy time of the season because we've still got plenty of baseball going on. We've got plenty of uh, NHL starting up again. And of course, Miami Heat uh, season is all, all full running again. So um, I had to get bailed out by my two goats from the UK scene. So welcome, Ollie Rahimi, James Stone. Ollie, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you on, as always, mate. James Stone, how are you, my man? Very good, thanks. Glad to be here. I think it's my first time on this pod, so uh, happy to be here. Lovely, lovely. I didn't realise that. So thank you very much for uh, joining me and, as I said, bailing me out. Guys, we talk uh, a good time, I suppose, because the Heat have just come off of back-to-back wins for the first time, and that's always something to be celebrated in today's NBA. But all in all... We're now nine games in. We're actually 10% of the season in already. Incredible. The Heat are four and five. So an inconsistent start. Yes, a tough start. The schedule didn't look nice when it was first released, despite lots of home games. But the Heat now four and five. There's been some really bad performances. There's also now been some glimmer of some good performances. But on the whole, Ollie, I'll start with you. As I said, fundamentally, an inconsistent start. Maybe somebody even goes far as saying a poor start. I'll ask you both this question, but I'll start with you, Ollie. What's the fundamental reason for a relatively slow start for the Miami Heat? Ooh, I think if I have a if I had a concrete answer, I would be um I'd be in the front office with uh, Pat Riley and Coach <laughs> <laughs> Spolstra. Um, I think there's been a, a multitude of things that have just gone wrong. Um, I think there's been a lack of effort a couple of nights. There's been, you know, just you know, you'll get nights where players just don't shoot well, and that's fine. Um. We've all wanted Bam to be more aggressive and take more shots. And then he's missing more shots at the same time. We've seen nights like that, but you kind of have to accept that that's going to happen, especially if he's going to take more shots. Um, I think there's been a betting in process as well with Tyler coming into the starting lineup. Um, Obviously, I think that the whole roster was so used to him being the sixth man, um, a role that he did magnificently last year and obviously won the sixth man of the year award. Um, So, yeah, I think it's been quite a few reasons, but it seems like they're starting to gel a little bit now. Um, personally, I know you said some might see it as a poor start. I think it was just a downright bad start. Like we we started the season badly, um, but it feels hopefully as in the last couple of games, maybe a, a corner's been turned now. The uh, the schedule eases up a little bit, so maybe maybe a little platform and a foundation to make a little run and forget about the early season worries. But I don't think it can necessarily be pinned down to one thing in particular. 
just as I said, quite a few things didn't go how they should have done. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why I wanted to ask that question because it is very open-ended and there'll be lots of people, if you get on Heat Twitter, there'll be a reason. Everybody will tell you X, Y and Z of why the reason why this season hasn't started very well. So I don't usually do this, James. I normally move on to the next question. But because there's a lot of opinion there, what do you put it down to? Well, I think Ollie's right. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of things that factor into it. But the one thing I put down to is I think we've been incredibly poor on defence we went from being a top five defensive team to a bottom five defensive team overnight. And I don't want to put that all down to losing PJ, but I think PJ, I think we've underestimated how much PJ did for us, but not how much PJ did individually defensively, what PJ did for Bam to protect him. Um, I'm not going to criticise Caleb. I think what Caleb's done since he's come into the four has been good. I think he's been solid. But he hasn't been on PJ's level defensively. He can't match up as well against the big men like PJ could. Uh, and all round, it's, it's not it's not just Caleb. All round defensively, we just haven't been as good as we normally are. Jimmy hasn't been his usual self. He's not getting as many steals. He's been given turnovers, which is really unlike Jimmy. Kyle's not been brilliant on defense, but he hasn't been as bad as others. The other thing is Tyler's come into the starting lineup. Who, yes, he offers a great offensive boost, but he is a terrible defender, and I hate to say it, but he just really isn't a good defender. So bringing him in over Struess, who isn't a great defender, but he's 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 an average defender. He's a below below to average defender, whereas statistically Tyler is well down the bottom defensively. So I think I'd put it down to defence being being the main factor as to why started so poorly I agree with you and that's my main reason as well I think that look, you've listed a, a fair a lot of reasons there and we can sort of get into them a little bit and there'll there will be that sort of conclusion that everybody must do better basically everybody there's nobody really that's shining even though there's some box score lighter uppers and so on everybody must do better and I think that's fundamentally maybe the reason why at Miami haven't got off to the start that perhaps they wanted but yes I believe I believe I agree with you James that um, if you was going to pinpoint this on one thing overriding, I watch every game obviously and I look at it and I just think it's just too damn easy for them to score at the moment. And, you know, when you look at it's maybe the same thing we've been arguing for a number of years now, mate. Even when we went, went all the way to the NBA finals and we played against the Lakers, even then the heat were just too small and we've never got bigger. And even last year where we had a lot of success, uh, you hit now on the head there, James, in the fact that, you know, Yes, this is fundamentally the same team, less PJ Tucker, but Caleb Martin, although he offers us, you know, a, a lot of energy and is an offensively uh, better equipped player than what PJ is, he is not a PJ Tucker. He cannot defend like PJ can, and PJ can size up to anybody in the league. So that is a miss. And as I said, even last night against the Kings, and we'll come on to the Kings in the game in a minute because it was a good game, it was a fun game, and it was a good win. But even that, you just think. There was just it was it was easy. There was just there was drifting through us, and I think when you've got your best player, obviously on the perimeter, which we know Bam is going to be another defensive player of the year candidate. He when he's on the perimeter, and you're then just allowing a, a, a big team, which anybody is going to be bigger than Miami, pretty much in this league, just to butcher a lot of six five six five guys in the paint, and that's going to be that's going to be a recipe for disaster. So, you know, on that note, Ollie. 
can we expect, like, when we had, we'll talk about Deadman in a minute, because he actually had a really good game and he was effective last night, but he is, I think James called him, or somebody called him last time, a walking minus 10, which I think is quite a good way of putting it, even though he did actually play well last night. But you can't rely on Deadman. Therefore, is there a chemistry or can something be worked where you do size up with somebody like a Yurtseven? And will it help when Oladipo comes back to help with that perimeter defence as well? Those are two defenders that give you a need. They give you size and they give you a point of attack uh, defence. Does Is that going to help? Should we not judge them too soon because of those two players missing? Uh, yes and no. So I think I think it's fair to say that about Oladipo because he's a proven defender. He's been all defensive team. He's been the steals leader. I think to say that Yurtsevin's going to make that much of an impact is maybe maybe a bit of a stretch because we've still not really seen that much from him. You know, he had a great stretch last year where he had that that run of double-doubles and he has been really good in patches, but ultimately he's very new. He's very raw still. He's very fresh. Even though his development is coming along nicely, he is still very fresh. And I think experienced bigs, you know, people that have been around the league for a long time and they know how the system works, they would target him probably because they can know maybe with that youthfulness, maybe a little bit too much youthful exuberance, he might bite a little bit. There might be a couple of fouls. There might be a reach in and then, you know, it leaves an open lane. So I think to maybe pin it on Yurt and Oladipo, maybe it is a little bit of, little bit much, but I think Oladipo will certainly help. Um, definitely on the defensive end, but on the offensive end from the bench as well, which we have really struggled with this season, losing Tyler's 20 points per game from the bench. Um, Oladipo hopefully can come back, get fit and just provide a little bit of, you know, he's a three-level scorer. So to have that weapon in your arsenal to lead the bench unit, I think will be really good. I think that the bench unit misses that energy that Tyler brought, that Caleb brought as well. Um, and just a point on, you know, you were mentioning about PJ. Um, size doesn't always mean size, if that makes sense. So obviously yes. Caleb is bigger than PJ, he's taller. Yeah. But PJ played big. You yeah. know, he, he would square up against seven footers and he would he would back them down. You know, he, he could do all of that. And he had that grittiness, that dogged determination kind of thing, which Caleb has, but it's just something that you get with an experienced vet like PJ. And uh, yeah, I think we miss him. Um, but I think there's a long way to go left in the season still. And this team is going to evolve. I think it's going to look very different by the end of the season. Um, I imagine that they probably will move for a bit more size at some point when that will be and who that will be. You know, we don't know. Nobody knows. Um, but yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, I agree with you. Look, this front office isn't stupid. They they watch all the games. They they, they can analyse it better than what many can. Um, that's why they are doing what they're doing. And they will know what they need to address. And you trust them to get it right because they often do. Like the, like the Iguodala-Jay Crowder uh, trade. I mean, you know, you look at that. They, that was fundamentally um, uh, branded the Iguodala trade. And it was actually end up Jay Crowder. It became almost invaluable to that team in the end. Um, so, uh, yeah, I trust them to get it right. I expect something to happen 100%. The Heat will need to uh, to, to evolve uh, before then, um, which I think they will. Um, but interesting that you, you bring up again the fact that yeah, PJ's a miss because he plays so much bigger than what his size is. And um, Gabe Vincent's a bit like this, James, because... He, he reminds me in that mould. He can he can size up. He can actually, defensively, he can do really well in that sense and give you some hustle and give you those minutes that will be effective. And there have been some calls with Cole Lowry being very inconsistent. There is some calls that maybe 
Gabe is the player that should maybe be starting at the moment over Lowry. And I think some people are even saying people are just looking into Lowry's contract and playing the contract. A bit maybe like when uh, Hassan Whiteside was the centre and Bam was having to was having to wait his time. Everybody wanted him, but they felt like they paid him. They had to justify the contract as, as starter minutes. So with, with Gabe, you know, I'm a big fan of, we know what his strengths are, we know what his weaknesses are. He's really one of the only players that, you know, you could maybe make a case for for jumping into this starting lineup right now. And maybe would that mean that Cole Lowry um, could, who can create more shots, who can facilitate more, who can maybe marshal a team better than maybe anybody else on this roster? Is an argument to say that maybe Cole, Kyle should be the one that could run the bench unit? Or would you prefer it at the moment with him? So we've had this inconsistent. We showed that he was very good last night. And, you know, when Butler maybe isn't playing and the ball will be in his hands more, we can show that he can score. Do you think that as an overall package, if he can show that more consistently, then yeah, of course, he's the obvious choice. Yeah, so it's an interesting one because there was a Twitter conversation yesterday. I can't remember who started it. One of the, one of the guys in America started it, but it was what what does Kyle do better than Gabe? And it's an interesting way thing when you when you look at it. At the minute, we're comparing a thirty six year old um, Kyle Lowry to a five year into the you know mid twenties Gabe Vincent. So that the athletically speed, all that kind of stuff is not a fair comparison. You know, we're not comparing all star Kyle Lowry to Gabe Vincent. We're comparing the Kyle Lowry of now. Now. Uh, the last few games, Gabe Vincent had a rough start to the season. First couple of games, he was a bit ropey. He was missing a lot of shots. He had a lot of turnovers, and I think he nearly fouled out in one game. But the last few, he's really turned it around and back to where he was back in the last season and in the playoffs, where he was a consistent role player for us in the playoffs. I think absolutely, if you could do it, I see no reason why Gabe Vincent couldn't start and Kyle could lead the bench. The problem is, like you said, there's the, the contract that will Miami want to be paying 30 million, however much it is a year, to someone to lead the bench unit when they gave him that contract to help us win a championship. Um, the other thing is, I don't think you'd get the results out of Kyle. I think Kyle personally would take it as an insult because he's a starter. He's been a starter his entire career. He came here on a contract to be a starter, to be our point guard, to lead us to a championship. I think if they turn around to him now and said, you know, we want you to lead the bench unit, I think I don't think we'd see much return from it. I just I don't think I don't think his heart would be in it. Um, you know, it's, it's you look at the Lakers with Westbrook, similar sort of conversation. Huge contract for a player that they thought was going to bring them championships. He is now on the bench, and they've actually won the last two games. So it's interesting to see. You don't know what conversation has gone on there. And I don't know whether it would work with Carl Lowry, but I, I don't think you'd get... I think Vincent would be good starting. I don't think Carl Lowry would deliver what we would want off the bench. Yeah, I think that... Um, yeah, with I mean, like you look at... You use the Lakers there as an example. I think that that made... As soon as that was brought up with, with Westbrook coming off the bench, I think it made immediate sense because the fit there was just ridiculous with those three non-shooters, really. Um, and uh, I, I, but when you look at doing that with someone like Kyle, um, Cole was brought in to be the perfect fit. 
You look at the Lakers situation, the players are incredible on their day, but the fit is awful. My, the, it, this is like the, the, the Cole Lowry was supposed to be the, the missing piece. As I said, this is he was bought in and we we lauded it. I did certainly. I thought this was this is the player that we wanted. So I agree with you that I think that reversing that, even though you know, Gabe does give us a lot of what you know, we're, we're I think statistically we're better with Gabe on the on the court, but Ollie. We did speak a little bit on the stream about Cole Lowry and the fact that, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I, I want him to do very well. Um, I don't care about the contract. I think we paid for a need and I think he gave us that need. But I get the fans that are frustrated with him and he splits the fan base probably more than anybody else because at the moment, I think it's justifiable to say that the Heat are being undersold on Cole Lowry for the money that they're paying him. I think it's £28 million this year. I think he's got a player option for next year that creeps into the early 30s for a player of his age. Um Frustratingly, we saw that last night he can be incredible. 20 or 20 something points, 17 by the half. You know, he's got a good three point shot on him. He is more than just a ball handler facilitator. He's that floor general, but offensively, he can do it, but he doesn't show it enough. Maybe that's because Butler was out last night. We expected him maybe to do that. But the, the rumors were, as I said, I know we talked about this a little bit on game day from the UK, but the rumors were that after those. Um, Pat Riley comments in the postseason about sort of almost fat shaming him a little bit, and he's a bit fed up with the with the whole talk about Miami Heat culture, and he's not really settled in as well as maybe he hopes that apparently Spolstra runs a very tight ship that he can't have as much fun as maybe he was used to in in Toronto. It's it, it was all creeping in. This was coming from a Raptors beat writer that he's got a very good relationship with, but and we sort of looked at it and go, well, okay, you know, you look at those comments. You look at the fact that he's not started well, you know, that sort of went hand in hand and you was wondering where this was going to go. But then Cole was fantastic last night, by far his best game of the season. So mm. what does Miami do here? Do, do, do they do they just sort of carry on as it is and, and maybe get in his ear and just say, look, you've got an important role to play on this team? Or, you know, do, do we fundamentally almost not right now, but is it looking at trade deadline? Just get rid I think it's too early for that, definitely. Um, and I think from the outside looking in, obviously, it seems like Kyle is the kind of person that you leave to his own devices and he will do what he thinks is right, um, which in this situation probably isn't the best fit. Um, and I think the issue that we've seen with Kyle this season and also looking back at last season is just that inconsistency, like we said. Um, and the you know the big pro to Gabe and massive credit to him, is that he's dependable. He's become dependable now. Okay, he's had a bad start to the season, but he's become a dependable player. You know what you're going to get from him on a nightly basis. Whereas Kyle, at the moment, you don't know if you're going to get zero points, two assists and a rebound, or he's going to go for 22 points in the first half. So I think what Miami need is consistency. Um, and at the moment, Kyle's not providing that. Uh, but, you know, we, we spoke about it on the stream, like you said, and... I think Kyle has been undersold on Miami, but I think Miami have been undersold on Kyle as well. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't got what they thought they were going to get from him. Um, and obviously vice versa, Kyle's maybe not fallen in love with Miami the way that he thought he was going to. And on paper, I was with you, Dan. I was all for this. I was really excited. And I thought this is going to be the move to take us further. And, you know, we got back to the Eastern Conference Finals. We missed on a Jimmy three. That's fine. But, you know, Kyle didn't have a good playoffs. And that's what maybe he was brought in to do because before then it was it was Goran who had been phenomenal, but Kyle was the next level. Kyle was the step up from Goran. And if we could get that close with Goran, how close could we get with Kyle? Um, so 
yeah, I think I think Kyle will be unhappy with the situation, but absolutely likewise, Miami will be as well. Um, but it's certainly too early to to pull a trigger on any move. Um, I think we've seen, like you guys mentioned, with with the Lakers and Westbrook, uh, that it can work, but I think it depends on the person as well as the basketball player. Um, and I think Kyle is obviously very strong, very, very strong-willed and has a fantastic confidence in his own abilities. So maybe he wouldn't accept that bench role. But yeah, I think I think it's just going to have to play out and we're just going to have to wait. Um, when we get to the trade deadline, we'll see what happens. But I think for now, it's, it's stick rather than twist. Yeah, and I think that look, I would be massively surprised. I think something's got to go seriously wrong, really, for for Cole to not be on this team by by trade deadline. And look, I mean, I've never been um, uh, a box score watcher. I've not, I've always been eye test, watch the games. I don't really care. Stats don't interest me really at all. Um, you look at Miami Heat, well, league wide. NBA league wide, everyone loves PJ Tucker for what he does. If anyone watched, looked at his box scores, you'd wonder what he does. But it's not about that. And then Cole's a similar sort of thing. His impact is, is is important to this team, and that's why I hope that whatever it is, whatever the unhappy is, whether he's pissed off with Pat Riley, whether he doesn't like the training regimes, whether he thought it was going to be a lot more fun, whatever it was, um, I hope they sort it out because if he's on his game. I know he had these sort of personal uh, issues and apparently they are still ongoing. Um, so maybe that's a factor to it as well. Um, but this team with Cole Lowry on form transforms this team. So let's hope that that works it out. Um, I was, I'm still very much in the Cole Lowry camp. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, another guy that done very well last night and again, as maybe caused some debate, uh, James, is Tyler Harrow. Uh, a game winner last night. In fact, back-to-back, really, game winners with, with Jimmy and Tyler, almost on the identical shot. Um, but uh, Tyler got his chance again to thrive in the fourth quarter. He's built for those moments. Um, let's just reflect on last night's game a little bit because it was a really interesting game. Um, fun game. Miami, again, was down about eight or nine points with seven, eight minutes to go uh, in the fourth. Uh, another good run. They found their legs. They found some rhythm. But it's Tyler Harrow again, the man who seems to be built for the, these moments that came through clutch in the clutch situation. What did you make of Tyler's performance? And also, what did you make of that last play? Because before that ball left his hands, I shouted out, what are you doing? Because I hated the final play. At my own words, uh, at my own words, it went in, it shut everybody up. But what did you think of his of his? performance in general um, because he had a really up and down style a poor first half an incredible second half but this is what this guy does isn't he in, in clutch moments yeah I think I think overall he had a good game similar to some of the other games a little inconsistent you know he, he, he was it 12 12 points in the third quarter or the fourth you know and two in the first it's a bit inconsistent he doesn't but he's always been that you know he was second quarter Tyler last season he seems to be fourth quarter Tyler this season um, you know, he used to just score for fun in the second quarter and then maybe go quiet for a bit. Overall, I think he had a good game. I think he's had a really good start to the season. I, I can't understand a lot of the backlash that he's getting on Twitter and around social media at the minute because I think he has been our go-to scorer this season. Jimmy's stats I mean, speak for themselves. Jimmy has scored consistently nearly 20. I mean, he's averaging 21 points. He's averaging more than Tyler. Tyler's are a bit hit and miss because he did have that game where he left with injury and he only scored two points, which will hamper his stats with such a few amount of games. But last night, I think Tyler came into it. The start of the game, as they did in the first time, the Kings made it really difficult. Every single shot, we were giving them open freeze. We were giving them walks to the basket. 
just like the first game, and they were making us really work for every single shot. And Tyler had to really, really pull it out of his ass to get a lot of his shots in. There was some statistics that came out yesterday that he's is he the most non-assisted scorer in the league so far this season. 63% of his wow. points are non-assisted, which shows how much he creates his own shot. And and that's not just him. That's not him hogging the ball. That's not him being selfish. Yes, there's probably elements of that to him. But it's it's the attention he draws now. People know what he can do. People know what he's capable of. You know, he's a he's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. So anytime he's around that perimeter, he's got one or two defenders right in his face. And that last shot, honestly, when I saw it, I felt exactly the same as the Kings coach. I said to myself, he's travelled. But they didn't, they didn't call it. And then it went down and I was just like, thank God for that. I was just, oh, I could see it. I could just see it going to overtime. I could see that getting blocked the way he went one way and the other way. But it looked like his pivot foot moved as well as his other foot. And I thought he's traveled. They're going to call it. And they did it and it went down. And I was just, my arms went in the air and I was, I was, I was ecstatic. But that's, that fourth quarter, like I said, we were down six or seven at one point. Yeah. And there was there was two there was two runs in that fourth quarter that that turned the game around for us. The first one was Gabe Vincent. So Gabe got a clutch free with like two seconds left on the shot clock that went in. The very next possession, he got a steal straight away up the other end, up the other end, transition free to Max, and we 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 were back even. I think because I think we were down by six, and then we were even with three real quick possessions by um, Vincent, which was which I think. A lot of people missed that today when it's all been about Struess's three-point winner. Um, and then the other the other part of the fourth quarter was was Tyler. Yeah. It, it, when it mattered, it came to him and he, he got two or three pull-up mid-rangers that again just kept us just kept us one or two points ahead and then he, he got the game winner. So I, I haven't got any complaints about Tyler last night. No, I mean Tyler again, as I said, look, we we've seen him do it time and time already in his short NBA career. He he just this is what he does. He he's got ice in his veins. He says he relishes these big moments. He wants the ball in his hands because he knows that he can bring these shots and, and win games for the Miami Heat. Um it's interesting though, Ollie, that he had that performance and and most importantly that he had the ball in his hands so much on a night where Jimmy Butler wasn't. And that's where things can be different. Now don't get me wrong, look. Just a night earlier, we see Jimmy Butler with a ball in his hands hit what was effectively the game-winning shot. Um, but this is where the, the the debate rolls on, isn't it? Because they're both starters now. Um, and we've seen Spo after we lost to the Kings um, in the last game just recently, Spo almost call out the team. But a lot of people thought it was more maybe aimed at Tyler Harrow, but aimed, aimed shots at the team to say everybody's trying to play for their own self rather than the, the, the bigger picture, the teamwork. And and that was why, again, when you look at Tyler being brilliant in the fourth quarter and Jimmy's off the floor with an injury, um, their rumbles on that debate is can these two actively effectively, along with Cole Lowry, who also commands more of the ball as well, can they fundamentally work in the starting lineup together? And is that possibly a reason for why Miami have not worked this out yet so far this season? It could be, yeah. I mean, they are three incredibly ball dominant and uh, ball dominant players, and you know, each of them can score to, to their heart's content, but as you said, they are incredibly ball dominant and they do most of their creating for themselves. Tyler is a is a phenomenal catch and shoot shooter, but that's not how he gets the most of his points, as James mentioned a minute ago, the highest create your own shot player in the league, which is which is crazy really. Um 
I think, you know, from, from a personal standpoint, I've, for the last couple of years now, I've always been like, you know, clutch moments, last minute of the game, put the ball in Tyler's hands. You know, it's been whispers, it's been whispers, but now, you know, my voice is getting louder because Tyler is showing it time and time again. I, I trust him more than I trust Jimmy, to be quite honest, in the clutch. Um, just purely because he's a better shooter. And I think people are starting to come around to that now. I think definitely the defences are as well. Um, but yes, I think the three the three of them coexisting, there might be problems going down the road. And, you know, the Miami Heat culture and the philosophy is we share each other's success and we're happy for each other when everybody else does well. And I think that that has always been the case, especially with Jimmy, you know, since he's come in. Look at how he's been with Tyler and, and Bam and Max. Mm. He's always been absolutely for his guys having success more so than he is himself and he even said last season I'm a facilitator now I'm not a scorer anymore so yeah. I think there's I think there's facets to it um again I kind of come back to the point I think Kyle is the odd one out in that in that trio um I think you know he he made comments that he wants the ball in his hands more well if you do that then you're taking away from our two best scorers who are more create their own shot kind of guys so yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. I think Spo will figure it out. He always does. You know, he's, he's one of the best work. No, he is the best coach in the league, undoubtedly. Um, and he's got so much experience now and so much success of doing all of these little things. And the front office will figure it out as well. So I think there's a long way to go, as I said. But um, yeah, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see. It might be that night number one is Kyle's night. Number two is Tyler's night. And then night number three is Jimmy's night. But it might alternate like that all season. We just yeah. have to do it. And what I like about this team, and I know it's been maybe a rough start, um, but what I love about this team is the fact that we, yeah, we have adapted. We've we've readapted the starting five and we're trying it with Tyler and, you know, we're maybe working through some issues. And yes, of course, that might be a reason why at the moment this team has not got off to a winning start this season. But the team is deep. We've said, we, we say this so many times, there's so many players the Heat are in a luxury in this sense that we can adapt to starting five. We can work this out as we go along, both in practice and during games. Spo, as you said, said with his coaching staff, are more capable than any other uh, across the league to work this out. So we can add on, you know, if we, if we need to say to Tyler, right, OK, look, you can have a stretch here. We're going to do half a dozen games coming off the bench again. Max, you're in. Caleb, you're going to sh shift over. Uh, Gabe, we're going to put you with Kyle. There, there's there's lots that we can do. There's lots of ways we can work it. This is really what the regular season is all about. This is where, you know, we, we try things out, we work things out. And of course, come trade deadline, if we're in that mix, there'll then be a, a move to be made. And that's where Pat... Uh, does pat things. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's not too uh, worrying me at the moment. Just very quickly before I let you both go, guys, um, the schedule now at four and five, the Miami Heat four and five, the schedule now loosens up a little bit. We've got Indiana Pacers tomorrow. We've got the Trailblazers. We've got them back-to-back -back games against the Hornets and then the Suns. So I think probably four out of those five games, James, um, the Heat will go into those games as bookies' favourites. Um, you know, What's your prediction through this? Do you just think, look, Heat get into a, a net positive over over point hundred start, and this league, which is already showing some real weird results, and there's hardly anything. I think the Raptors are currently in third on something like five and four, so it shows you really, apart from the Bucks and the Cavs, to be fair, um, that everybody's beating everybody. So you think a few wins under your belt, panic over? Yeah, I think so. I think. You could see last night. Last night felt like a playoff game. You know, Spur only went three deep on the bench. Martin, Struz, uh, sorry, Martin, Vincent, and Robinson were the only three that came on. No one else came on. 
he wanted to win that game. We needed to win that game because it's the momentum. Big win against Golden State. You then get a win against a team. No disrespect, a team we should have been beating. You can't argue we should have been beating the King at at home. We should have made it a lot easier than we did. It shouldn't have been as close as it was, but it was. But we need it. We need the morale boost. I'd like to think now this is the catalyst to continue to go. Maybe maybe we can win four or five in a row, um, you know, get above 500 and kind of carry on with the form that we had last season. People should be used to the, the, the what we're playing, the roles that people have got now. So, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think last night's game was a big win. It was a must win. And I think the, the, the Raptors we've got coming up at some point is going to be a yeah. real task because... They're such a big, strong team. I'm, I'm not really looking forward to that. But I think the Hornets, the Pacers, I think these are games that we should be confidently going into, especially at home and, and coming away with a victory. Yeah, I said uh, I tweeted after the uh, the buzzer on the Warriors game. I just said, look, that the season starts now. You felt the arena was energised. I felt the players felt like they come against um, you know a good team, all the reigning champions, and they've got a really good win uh, after a poor. Uh, result um, beforehand. So it felt like the season started then. Yes, you know, the Kings then um, come into town. But look, any night you're playing a back-to-back against anybody's uh, anybody that's got a night fresher than you, missing your best player as well. And yes, I know they was missing Fox, but we was missing our general in, in Jimmy Butler. So any win is a good win. So that's now back-to-back wins. It's a foundation to build on as the, uh, the, the schedule, as I said, loosens up a little bit. Um, yeah, this is a chance now for some, for some momentum to grow, for the group to tighten up, to bond a bit more uh, and to maybe uh, you know breathe a bit a sigh of relief for, of, after the bad start. But we know it doesn't always work like that. One bad win against the Pacers, everything's melting down again. We're back into turmoil and we're blowing it all up again. That's why we watch the sport. That's why we uh, we interact on Twitter and social media because uh, it's, it's fun. Anyway, guys, um, <laughs> we will cover tomorrow's game in a bit more detail against the Indiana Pacers uh, tomorrow at 8.30 on game day from the UK. So join us for that on Miami Heat UK TV. Please subscribe to the channel. Follow us at what we do. Uh, listen to everything. Tell your friends. Shout from the mountains. Miami Heat UK. Uh, and uh, yeah, we will be back next week for another episode. We have a stateside guest who I'll confirm in the week. But thanks for joining the guys and uh, we'll see you tomorrow on Game Day from the UK. Take it easy. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.